Hey, my name is Jason Byler. I'm the pastor of Life Change Church. Thank you so much for checking out our podcasts. I believe that if you'll listen to them, uh, that you will be blessed. Mark 4 tells us that the Word of God uh, planted down inside of our hearts uh, can bring forth a rich, beautiful, abundant harvest in our lives. This is my desire uh, for you. Uh, so as you listen to the Word, just receive it. Let it get down in your heart. Bring forth a harvest. Thank you so much again for listening. God bless you. Um, as, as Joyce said, mentioned, uh, we are uh, heartbroken and, and shocked over the passing of our, of our bishop, Bishop Mike Gray. Uh, he was a mentor and a, and a dear friend. Um, I've just got memory after memory after memory after memory. I could stand here for a long time and tell uh, story after story. And we would laugh and cry and, and uh, have a great time uh, just remembering uh, Bishop Mike. I, I met him when I was 19 uh, at, at a good old spiritual warfare camp. So, so I've been knowing him now for 26 years. Y'all can do the math on that. Uh, but um, I've been reminded that, uh, that even though I was shocked by this, that God was not and that the Lord is here, uh, that He is uh, with us, and that He has a plan and a purpose uh, for us, uh, and, that, uh, and that Bishop Mike uh, would want us to uh, keep moving forward and to keep proclaiming the gospel of Jesus' name and lifting Him on high and living passionately uh, for Him. Uh, so that's, that's what God wants. That's what our bishop wants. Uh, that's what we'll do. Amen. Uh, this morning, I I have been just so thankful to uh, come together with you. Um, those that aren't here, I, I I miss you this morning. If you're if you're watching, you should have been here. Um, <laughs> uh, it's just so encouraging to be together, and I'm very thankful this morning to have the opportunity to share the word uh, with you. Um, I was I was actually just laying in bed the other night. It was before before any of this took place, and I was just overwhelmed by you know how sometimes you just lay in your bed at night before you're falling asleep, and you just you just think on the Word and the Lord and His and His goodness and His love, and and uh, and I was just overwhelmed by how good. And honoring it is that God has chosen us to be His chosen people, to be His people called by His name. You know what John 15, uh, 16 says, Jesus says, you didn't, you didn't choose me, I chose you. And chose you to bear fruit, fruit that will last. We are, we are called of God, chosen uh, by Him and someday the whole weight of that is going to hit us. I think it might be, you know, this, this is what Paul prays in Ephesians 1. He wants the weight of it to hit us. He wants us to see how wonderful it is to be a saint. And someday we're going to see it. 
And I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to impact us. It's going to hit us. It probably won't be until we're with the Lord and ruling and reigning and have been rewarded and clothed that we will, that it'll just come upon us and we will realize God has called us and chosen us and selected us and we are His people. And in that moment, we'll probably take any crown that He's given us and we'll throw it down and we'll kneel and we'll worship Him and declare unto Him all glory and honor and power and wisdom be to you, Lord. For you alone are holy and good and awesome and glorious and true. We are God's chosen people. And as God's chosen people, there stirs within us a passion for His glory and for His honor, and that should grow and grow and grow and grow and grow within us. And as God's chosen people, there should stir within us a growing desire for the abundant life of others. So we've been taking some time to talk about abundant life because because there should be a desire within us for others to live and to live life and that more abundantly. And this is such an important conversation because so tied up in abundant life is glory and honor to God. That God is exalted and glorified when we are walking and living and producing and bringing to others life and that more abundantly. So this morning I'd like to just continue that conversation. Um, We'll finish it uh, today. Uh, and uh, and if I can if I can move along quick enough, uh, we'll finish it uh, today. Uh, but but abundant life is so important. We get that term, you know, from that great declaration that Jesus made uh, in the uh, in John ten ten, uh, where he says the thief comes only but to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, but I've come that you might have life, and that more abundantly. It's such an it's such such an important declaration that Jesus makes, and it brings such clarity to our lives uh, for this reason. It reveals to us His purpose, our Savior's purpose, and it reveals to us our enemy's purpose. That, that what the enemy is planning, what he is desiring, what his purpose is, is robbery, death, and destruction. But our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ, what His purpose is, is life and that more abundantly. So we, so we can see, because we recognize their purpose, we can see what, what is coming from the enemy, and we can see what is coming from our Savior. Remember, remember Matthew 7, 15? Uh, you know, again, I know I say this, but, but you, should, you should read Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and you should try to know it well enough that you can think your way through it. That you could, you could section by section, this is what Jesus has said on the sermon, in the Sermon on the Mount. And as, and as that part is coming to an end, Matthew 7, 15, he says this, that, that he says, remember this, that, and, and, and beware of this, and watch out for this, and be on guard against this, uh, that, uh, that false prophets will come as wolves in sheep's clothing. That they're covered in deception, they're not actually sheep. They're wolves in sheep's clothing. And, and so, so we know that the enemy operates in deception. 
And we know that he tries to cover up who he really is and what his real purpose is and what his real plan is and make it look like what it's not. And so we may be thinking, well, well, if that's the case, then how will we recognize him? How will we know who he is? And Jesus, like anticipating that question, says, this is how you'll recognize him. By their fruit, you will know him. And then he goes on to tell us about the good tree and the good fruit and the bad tree and the bad fruit and that good trees produce good fruit and that's how you recognize them, by the fruit. And bad trees produce bad fruit and that's how you recognize them, by the fruit. So this is why this... This abundant life, John 10, 10 scripture brings such clarity to our lives because it identifies for us the fruit of the working of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, which is abundant life, and it identifies for us the fruit of the working of our enemy, which is robbery, death, and destruction. And while he may be able to cover and deceive and cloak everything else, he can't hide the fruit that it produces. He can't change it or hide it. His working, his plan, his deceptions, they rob, steal, kill, destroy. Rob and steal are the same, I know. Just for emphasis. Mm -hmm. Robbery, death, and destruction. But from our Savior comes life and that more abundantly. So as Christians, we we should not be deceived We should have an an incredible clarity because we can clearly see what is the enemy. What is of the enemy. It steals, kills, and destroys. Like, for example, uh, the lie from the enemy that abundant life is found in riches. Right? This is this deception that leads so many astray, but it should not. It should not because we can clearly see that, that searching for abundant life in, in riches leads to robbery, death, and destruction. And there's no hiding it. We just go look at those who have riches, fame, possessions. Why, why does, he, he deceives us with that because he says, well, if you have riches, you won't have to worry about anything. And if you have riches, you can have everything. Because having everything is the key to abundant life, right? If you have riches, you can do anything and go anywhere. And everyone will love you and everything will be taken care of. All of these things are found in riches. That's the deception. That's the lie. And many there are that run after it. But what happens? Does it bring to them life in that more abundantly? Or does it steal, kill, and destroy? What what happens when somebody wins the lottery? Have you ever tracked that? Whatever happens, you should not play it just because of the destruction that comes to those who win it. And by the way, you know, use your money more wisely than that. I didn't plan on jumping on the lottery this morning, but but uh but as Christians, we we need clarity on these things. What happens to them? Robbery, death, destruction. So then what what then, then whose deception strategy is that? It's the enemies. It's not our saviors. Now, there's nothing wrong with money. Money in itself is just money. We need money. We, we're to work for it so that we can provide for our own and have something to share with others. God can take our money and use it to advance His kingdom and bring Him glory and honor. There's nothing wrong with it, if it's not, but it's not our God. 
It's not our focus. It's not our passion. It's not our desire. It's not our Savior and our Lord. It's not our hope or our pursuit. Jesus is. And in Him is found life and that more abundantly. That's that just an example uh, of, of how all of that works. So, so this brings incredible clarity to us. Not only that, abundant life, John 10.10, 10, uh, brings unity to us. Really, unity even between the, the Christian and the, and the world a little bit. There's a chance of it because really we all desire abundant life. Now, that's kind of where it ends right there because we don't agree on what abundant life is or where it comes from. And so, so that, that automatically means there's a division between us and the world, between the people of God and the world because right, they, they think abundant life is coming from money when really, or, or other things when really that steals, kills, and destroys. Right? So we can't have agreement with them there because it conflicts with our desire for them to actually live abundant life. So if we are desiring life and that more abundantly, not only for ourselves but for others, then we've got to oppose the lie. Even though they might not enjoy that opposition, if we really love them and really want for them abundant life, we've got to oppose the lie because, because what they're believing is going to bring life is not going to bring life. So, we, so this is why we applaud what we applaud. I know I've talked about this. And oppose what we oppose for God's glory and honor and the abundant life of others. Uh, so, so this brings an opportunity for unity mainly for the people of God because we agree on wanting abundant life and we agree further than that where it comes from, who it's found in, and then we can even move in agreement to what abundant life actually is. So it becomes important to identify uh, what abundant life actually is. I, I, know, I know I've done this, so we'll just, we'll just go over this quickly here. Uh, what abundant life actually looks like. What are the fruits of abundant life? We've, we've broken them down into three that are absolutely necessary for abundant life. If any one of these are missing, then life is not life in that more abundantly. And all three of these we're starting with forever because if there is to be abundant life, it's got to be forever. It can't just be for here and now. God has set eternity in our hearts. We know that we are eternal beings. We know that there is forever. And abundant life uh, is only found in Christ because He's the only one that can affect and change not only our now, but also our forever. And if His life doesn't just bring, if all it does is affect now, then it's not abundant life. It's got to be forever. Right? This is why Paul said, he said, if, if in, in 1 Corinthians 15, he said, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, if he remained in the grave, he said, then if, if Jesus didn't, then there is no resurrection. And he said, if there is no resurrection, then there is no life. He said, and we might as well just eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die, and it's finished, and it's over, and that's all that there is. Like the only hope that we'd have at any kind of a life is just to party and go crazy if there's no forever. But when forever enters the picture, it changes everything. 
And it makes abundant life possible. And, and it has entered the picture because Jesus has risen from the dead. And we are convinced that if we are united with Him in His death, we will also be united with Him in His resurrection. And forevermore shall we live with Him and rule and reign with Him in the Father's house, in the room that He's prepared for us. And He's the master craftsman. So, Abundant life is uh, forever. And, and so, so we're going to just tack forever on to these fruits of abundant life. Uh, re- remember, it, abundant life's got to be freedom. And it's got to be forever freedom. Uh, if we're not free, we're not living life and that more abundantly. By the way, as you start to identify these fruits of abundant life, you also identify what the enemy's trying to steal. He's trying to... So, so you can see the working, the robbery, uh, the, the, the things that he's after trying to rob from you. One of them's freedom. He wants to take from you your freedom. He wants to take from you your freedom. So we can see the working of the enemy because he's robbing from people freedom because he doesn't want freedom. He wants bondage, chains, bars, prison, slavery. That's what he wants to bring to you, not freedom. So he's trying to take uh, freedom away uh, and, uh, and, and bring bondage. And so if something is not, is not bringing freedom, but it's, but it's bringing all kinds of bondage and, and chains and bars to your life, uh, then, uh, then, then you may need to look, you know, where is this coming from? And, and whose purpose is this working? What is this fruit that it's producing? So... There is forever freedom that is found only in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then, and then the second one is fruitfulness. And, and it is forever fruit. Forever fruit that, uh, that, that, that only comes from our Savior, Jesus. And that is so indispensable to abundant life. We are people created with purpose. And, and, and it's... It's important to each and every one of us to find fulfillment and meaning and purpose in our lives. This is one of the things that so frustrated Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes was everywhere he looked, he said everything's meaningless because he didn't, because he didn't see the forever in everything. Everything, everything or, he, or he saw that everything perishes. But in Christ Jesus, we can live lives that produce forever fruit. Fruit that will last. Again, it's John. He said, I, I, he said, I chose you that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that's going to last. Fruit that's going to be forever. Fruit that won't perish. And when your life is producing forever fruit, it brings to you a, a, a fulfilling and a meaning that can't be found anywhere else that is absolutely necessary to abundant life. If that's not there, and we're looking at everything and saying, everything I'm doing is going to perish, then there's not abundant life. Then we start saying what Solomon said, this is meaningless, meaningless, meaningless. It's utterly meaningless. But when what we're laying up and working towards and producing is going to be fruit forever, then it brings fulfillment and meaning to our lives. 
We talked about that a good bit last Sunday, so go check that out if you need to, to look further into that. But in Christ Jesus, we can bear fruit, fruit that will not perish, fruit that will last, fruit that will be forever. Something worth uh, giving our lives to. Now we have talked about those two. Uh, the, the third one is, uh, is friendships. It's friends. It's relationships. And, and we've got to put that forever in front of it again. It's forever relationships. Forever friendships. This, this one to me, th- these are all so connected, and, and I hesitate to even say this, but it almost seems to rise to the top as the important fruit of abundant life because we are relational people and if there's not beautiful, life-giving, forever relationships, then abundant life eludes us. It escapes us. And isn't it interesting that, that like the one thing that the enemy so seems to come after and attack are our friendships our relationships, that he might come in and destroy that relationship and divide it and tear it and rip it apart because he knows so important to our abundant life and to God's glory and honor. By the way, that's, that's what the enemy would love to affect and take away from you. He wants to rob from you uh, the, the glory and honor that you would bring to God and the abundant life that he would pour out on you. That's what the enemy wants to affect. And, and so he comes with, with lies and deceptions to steal, kill, and destroy the glory and honor that you would bring and the abundant life that God would give. But we will not allow him. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna enjoy the fruits of abundant life and share them to, with others and in doing so bring glory and honor to God. And, and so important to our abundant life and to the abundant life of others and the glory and honor of God is forever friendships. When you have beautiful, life-giving friendships and they are forever, it brings joy and peace and happiness, abundance to life. You really can see how in Christ Jesus there's not only life, but that more abundantly. It's not just abundant it's more abundantly. One of the reasons that I'm not just overwhelmed with sorrow and unable to do anything at the passing of my dear friend Bishop Mike is I know that our relationship has shifted at the moment, but it's still forever. That it's not over. That he has taken a journey that I can't take yet at this moment, but someday I will and we will be together again because our friendship isn't temporary or perishing. It's forever. I'm going to see him again. You remember when David lost his child and he was mourning when the child was perishing, but when the child was gone, David stopped mourning and he took some food and they said, David, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Your child has died. And David said, I know that he's gone and I can't go to him right now. And he can't come to me right now, but someday I'll go to him. David recognized that, that this child, that it wasn't over that it was a forever relationship and someday he would see him, meet him, walk with him, and be together with him. Hmm. Forever friendships. 
These are found in Christ and in Christ alone. This is why abundant life is found in Him. Our relationships, our friendships, they're forever, they're they're to be beautiful and rich and life-giving, nourishing and strengthening. They're to help one another, encourage one another, and to shine the light of Christ and bring glory and honor to the Lord. And in Christ Jesus, we can have these, we find these, but it's only in Christ that we find them. So, uh, I, I, I know again that, you know, when you talk about relationships, this is such a, a deep topic, and and you can go on and on and on, and there's so many things that we that we can cover. But uh, for our purposes this morning, let's just let's just focus down to the main thing, to to the most important, the lifeblood of relationships, the the reason that we can that we can have it, that it can be forever and that it can be beautiful, uh, and, and what is needed for forever beautiful life-giving relationships, and it is this, and you know it, but let me say it and then give you the key to it. It's love. Love is the lifeblood of relationships. With, without love, how can there be life-giving, beautiful, forever relationships. We can have these kind of forever relationships when we, when we love, when we love one another, when we love one another, like Jesus said in, in John 13, when we love one another the way that He has loved us. Not, not some false, counterfeit, worldly kind of love. That's another deception of the enemy that steals, kills, and destroys, right? It's a false definition of love. It's, it's a counterfeit love. It's what love isn't really at all. But what love really is, we as the people of God can see and understand and know because Jesus modeled it for us and because the Word of God tells us about it. So, so let me let me just do it. Let me just read part of 1 Corinthians 13 so you can just remember what love looks like, how God loves us, and how we are to love one another. If you want to know how to, how to bring beauty and life into your relationships and how to have life-giving relationships, it is, it is, it is part of the process is understanding what love looks like. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 13, I'll read this pretty fast because I know you know it, but please let it, let's allow it to impact us. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. See, see just elevating the importance of love, that there's got to be love, that there can be so many other things in our relationships, if there's not love, they don't really help. Now, if there is love, then they come alongside and help. But if there's not love, then they don't really help. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. Elevating the importance of love. You know at the end of this it's going to say, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. If I give all I possess to the poor, 
and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I have not love, I gain nothing. Now, here it talks to us about love. It's so beautiful, isn't it? Don't you want to be loved like this? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Love's not proud. Everything that's, everything that's tied up in, in pride is not love. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. You, you see, these are other ways that you can identify uh, the enemy. Uh, the enemy, there, there's pride, uh, dishonor, uh, self-seeking, easily angered. Uh, the, the, uh, the people of this world, isn't it amazing how, how easily angered they are? Like I can remember like just looking at somebody. Like, you know, maybe I was daydreaming or something, and I just looked at somebody, and they're like, what are you looking at? You know, really, I was just daydreaming. I apologize. You know, or you could say, you know, nothing much. No, you know, but, uh, but that's not loving. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not easily angered. Uh, it keeps no record of wrongs. Should we skip that? Should we take that out? No. This is love. It keeps, it keeps no record of wrongs. It's not, it's not keeping a chart of all the wrongs and the hurts. You know, forgiveness is all tied up in that. We talked about that. Love does not delight in evil. It does not. It rejoices with the truth. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. We're just remembering what love looks like here, what it is. It always protects always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. It's a powerful statement, isn't it? Here we have, from the Word of God, this incredibly clear picture of what love actually is. If, if, if someone's talking about love and it doesn't line up with with the way that Jesus lived and spoke and what love actually is, then it's this false counterfeit love and it's not anything that you need to, you need to embrace or listen to. Love is easy to see uh, because it always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. And love, just this declaration here, love works. It just does. It doesn't fail when there is this kind of love in relationship, it works. It brings to that relationship unity, uh, peace, beauty, goodness, abundance. You know, marriage isn't all that difficult. I'm not saying it's all that easy either because, because this can be hard for us. But <laughs> if I will love joy like this, <coughs> Excuse me. Give me gets me choked up. If I will love joy like this, and she will love me like this, then we end up having beautiful marriage because it doesn't it doesn't fail. It doesn't fail like like when you're when you're patient and you're kind and you're forgiving and you're not easily angered and you delight in the truth and I always protect her and trust her and hope and persevere this this doesn't doesn't fail it works 
And people are, you know, if you're, if you're wondering, you know, you know, why am I failing at my relationships? Maybe one of the things you do, first thing you need to do is you need to put a little love in it. Real, true love. Not this worldly nonsense. This mess that doesn't work. That's full of pride and selfishness and, and self-worship. None of that. That doesn't work. You put some real love in it, and it works and never fails. Love, love never fails. Now, you know, I, I, know, I know that we know this. Um, so now that we remember what love is, what love looks like, that it never fails, I, w- I want to go back to, uh, I, I, I say back to it because we've been in John 15, and I want, I want to read to you John uh, 15, uh, starting, starting at verse 9. We'll start reading here. I'll move through some of this pretty quick. Um, what, I, what I want want you to see is, is you remember that Jesus is, is, has said that He's the vine, that we're the branches, that if we remain in Him, that we will bear much fruit, fruit that's going to last, showing ourselves to be His disciples. And then He moves into talking to us about love. And I want you to see I want you to see Jesus found this so important to our fruitfulness. And, uh, and I just, just look for how he speaks about love and what he says about love here. Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. So, so remaining, you know, seemed like so complicated, but it's really not. We're just going to remain in the love of Christ If you keep, verse 10, my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. So so we're remaining in love. We're remaining in love. But it's it's not any kind of false world love, right? Where's it coming from? Where did it start? From the Father. And the Father loving the Son. And the Son loving us. And us being loved by God and remaining in that, remaining in His love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. That there's joy in this and that there's a a complete, right, full joy in that. My command is this, Love each other as I have loved you. Now he said it right in John 13. Now he says it again here in John 15 that we are to love one another as he has loved us. You say, Pastor, relationships are so complicated, man. I can't work through them. I don't know how to bring them together. I I don't know how to make them succeed. I don't know how to have beautiful ones. Well, here we are. You just got the answer. It's love somebody the way that Jesus has loved you. It's love one another the way that Christ has loved us. And when we do that, then relationships work because love doesn't fail and they become beautiful, life-giving, rich, nourishing, abundant forever. Reading on 
Verse 13. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command. And what did he command? To love one another as he has loved us. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I call you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in the name of the Father will be given you. John 17, uh, 15, 17. This is my command. Love each other. You got to love one another. If, if we want abundant life, then there must be forever beautiful relationships. And if that's going to be, then we've got to love one another. And when we love one another and are loved by one another, then there is beautiful relationships that flourish out of that. And what do our beautiful, life-giving, loving relationships do? They bring glory and honor to God. They proclaim that we are His disciples. They shine the light of Christ. When we love one another, Jesus is proclaimed. I just had this thought. My mind is crazy. Of the, uh, the bat signal. You know when Batman is needed? And Commissioner Gordon goes up on the roof and he cranks up the bat signal and it shines this light in the sky of the Batman. And it like actually works even though there's no screen up there. I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting. But our love for one another is the bat signal. It shines the light of Christ. It pro- maybe a bad analogy, I don't know. It, just, it, just, it came to my mind, I hadn't thought of it earlier, so I'm going to blame it on the Holy Spirit. Uh, shines the light of Christ. It declares, Jesus! And that we are His. And that our hope and trust is in Him. And that abundant life is found in Him. And when others see that, then maybe they'll also run to Jesus and find the life that we have found in Him. That they'll also come into the glorious life and freedom of the children of God just because we love one another. Isn't it powerful? If we will just, and it doesn't fail, if we will just love one another the way that Christ has loved us we enjoy the, uh, the, uh, the, the abundant life fruit of beautiful, forever, life-giving relationships. And we bring glory and honor to God, and we share it with others. Now, it's easier said than done, though, isn't it? And I, and I want to I give you the, kind of the key to this, the help to this, the help to loving one another. It's it's not complicated, but it seems to be difficult because the enemy wants to rob us of this. To, To love one another the way that Christ has loved us means that we must first love God. 
And if we will love God, then we will love others. Can I read quickly to you John, 1 John 4, if I can do anything quickly? Like, I can run quick, but I can't seem to do anything else quick. I don't even run fast. I just run quick. 1 John 4. Let me read this to you. John had a revelation of this. He says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God, and whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. It's a, it's a, it's a, a great way to identify saints and ain'ts, as the old, old preachers used to say. You got the saints and the ain'ts, and you can identify the saints from the ain'ts by love. Because whoever doesn't love does not know God because God is love. The saints born of God are able to love because God is love and because God first loved them for love comes from God. So, so, so the, the, the reason that we are able to love is because God first loved us. And God is, a, and God is love. So let me read read on here. I, I love the scriptures. This is how God showed his love to us, among us. He sent his only begotten son, his one and only son, into the world that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. God loves us so we can love. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. It's basic, isn't it? That God has, God has loved me, now I love others. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and His love is made complete in us. The bat signal. This is how we know that we live in Him and He in us. He has given us His Spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. So not only do we rely, but we also know. And not only do we know, but we also rely. You say, what do, what do I need to know? And what do I need to rely on? The love of God for you. You need to know that, and you need to rely on it. God, you see it again? God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Like, like can the saints go marching on not in love? Love must, must be a part of us. It must be with us. It must be in us. It must be inseparable, inseparable from us. This is how 
This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment in this world. We are like Jesus. When we love, we proclaim Him. There is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because He first loved us. We love because God has loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a what? I didn't say it, you did. God, God did. But, but we understand that. We see that we can't, we can't claim, I love God, but man, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. The, the, two, the two cannot coexist. If you claim to love God, then you will love your brother. If you claim to love God, you will love your sister. So if there's there's hate there, then the problem is a love for God. There's something lacking and missing when it comes to your love for God if you don't love your brother and your sister, because if you love God, you will love somebody else. You will love all buddies else. You will love everybody everywhere if you love God. So if we're struggling with loving one another, it reveals where the real struggle is. It's a struggle with loving God. Something has slipped, shifted, moved in your love for God. This is why in two of the letters to the churches, in the book of Revelation, Jesus speaks about relationship with God. And in the first one to the church in Ephesus, we are called out as the church that we have drifted, slipped from our love, our first love for the Lord. And that's the problem with the church. You haven't, you, you, you're doing everything right, you're persevering, you're holding on, you're believing right things, you're opposing wrong things. I have this one thing against you. You have shifted, moved from your first love. And if we shift and move from loving God, then it leads to trouble with our brother and sister. And when it leads to trouble with our brother and sister, then Christ is not proclaimed. And if Christ is not proclaimed, then people can't call on Him. And if they don't call on Him, then how will they be saved? And we track all of that back to something's messed up with my love for God. It's time to love the Lord. There needs to burn within us a love for God to with all of our hearts and everything down inside of us to love Him, to, to, to passionately adore Him, to be in love with God. I am not ashamed for a moment to say that I desire to be a man who is a lover of God. 
and for that love for God to be seen in everything that I do because I believe that if I do love God, I will love my brother and my sister. And when I love my brother and my sister, flowing out of a love that I have for God that is coming from God to me, back to Him. It it just goes back to that. If I want to get this relationship right, this one's got to be right first. If this one's not right first, this one's not going to be right, and this one's not going to be right, and this one's not going to be right. But if this one is, then these are, and when these are, there's abundant life in it, and Christ Jesus is proclaimed. And when Christ is proclaimed, then others see and they call. And when they call, they're saved and they enter into the glorious freedom of God. And they become another who is living an abundant life and and proclaiming abundant life and bringing glory and honor to God. So now my life, because, because I've led to someone else glorifying God, is bringing double glory to God. And maybe the, maybe the multiplication principle happens right there. Like, you know, if, if one can chase a thousand and two can chase ten thousand, then maybe that happens with glory as well. That if one brings, brings a thousand glories to God, then two brings ten thousand glories to God instead of two thousand glories to God. Maybe that takes place in that same way. The multiplication principle and all of this happening because I love God with everything down inside of me. This is why Jesus said in Mark, when asked the question, Mark 12, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus says, listen, 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 the Lord our God is one. This is the greatest commandment. Love Him. Love Him. Love Him with all of your heart. Love Him with all of your soul. Love Him with all of your mind. Love Him with all of your strength. Everything down inside of you. And the second is like unto the first and made possible because of the first. To love your neighbor as you love yourself. And when you do this, you love God and you love others. All the law and commandments are fulfilled in that. Of loving God and loving others. When we love God, we will love our brothers and our sisters. And we will know God more and more. And we will know one another more and more. You say, well, well if, if I don't love God, what can I, if I've fallen out of love with God, what can I do? See, see love, love that's, that's a false idea. Love is not something that we fall in and out of like it's some kind of a hole. Love is a choice that we make. It's a decision. It's I am going to love my wife with all of my heart and I'm not going to fall in and out of it. It's not a hole. It's a choice. It's an action. It's a belief. As hard as it is to understand, at least we know that about it. I choose to love God. And I will choose to love God. That's why Jesus said in, in Revelation 2, on the letter to the Ephesus church, he said, he said, now repent. Calling you out for not loving God, now repent and love Him. And do the things you have done at first. Church, believers, let's be lovers of God. 
unashamed lovers of God. Let's choose today to be lovers of God. Let's recognize maybe if we have shifted or slipped a little bit. And God, God, God in His love calls us back to loving Him because He has chosen to love us. Let's love the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. And out of that will flow the love that we need to have beautiful, life-giving relationships so that we enjoy them, that others enjoy them, and that Jesus is exalted and proclaimed in the way that we live. Let's pray together. Lord, I'm not saying it's any of us here, but it may be. But I know, Lord, that that there is a lukewarmness that can settle down in, that we can settle down into if we're not cautious and careful. To where we begin to, to look to other things and and love other things and make other things first instead of you. Lord, we repent of that this morning in our own lives and we repent of that as a church and we repent of that as an American church and we ask you Lord Jesus to to pour out your love upon us pour it out on us and let it change us and transform us let us see your goodness let us see your love let us see your beauty let us have that that first love encounter again let us I know we don't fall into love but I'm going to say this like this anyway let us let us fall in love with you all over again as we choose to love you let us let us get deep in that all again to where you are life and you are everything and you are all and you are our passion and our desire the reason that we breathe that you are our first love. That we declare like David, one thing I ask, one thing I ask. There's one thing that I ask and that, it's, that, it, that I might be with you. That I might be where you are. That I might see your face and hear your voice. Help us to love you, Lord. Love us. Let us love you. And because you love us and because we love you, Help us to love one another and Jesus to be proclaimed. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. And with every head bowed and eyes closed, I just want to ask you this morning if, if you've not received the love of Christ and made Jesus the Lord of your life, and today you want to do that, I just ask you to raise your hand. I just want to pray with you. If you're watching online and you'd like to make Jesus the Lord of your life and receive His love and His forgiveness. Will you, will you just pray with us? We're just going to pray together. Just repeat, repeat after me. Everyone just, just repeating after me. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I love You. I know You love me. And I trust You. And I give You my heart and my passion and my love. 
I choose you, Jesus. I know you've chosen me. I declare that you are my Savior and my Lord, my forever passion, and I will forever love you. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hey, God bless you, lovers of God. Uh, Go and love Him with all your heart. God bless.